cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. Oh, and I'm Joanna Boyd, a psychotherapist from the greater Vancouver area. I'm Chris Boyd, also a psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Happy uh, Valentine's week. Yeah. Happy Super Bowl, post Super Bowl week. And happy family day for those in Canada. That'll be this weekend. We have a long weekend. So we have Monday off and it's family day so that we all spend time with our families. Extra time. Really? Yep. Oh, I love that. Yep. It's it's just, that's all it is. You, you just, it's family day and nothing more to it than that just a family day yeah yeah i think we realized that we needed a holiday in february i think that is actually maybe part of it (laughs) yeah like wouldn't that be nice if we call it family day well it coincides with our president's day so we have that day off as well oh nice yes a long weekend for you too then yes that's right yeah we both have that day I guess since you don't have presidents, you don't get to have that, right? You don't have a Prime Minister's Day or anything like that? I don't think uh, they've earned that title or earned their own day yet, I don't think. (laughs) Uh, We were just noticing another little difference here. Speaking of Valentine's Day, on Valentine's, my kids got some candy and they gave me something, a box of something that is uh, one of my favorites. the snow caps, which is like chocolate with little white sugar balls on it. Snow caps. Uh, sometimes they're called non-parels. I'm not sure exactly if that's how it's pronounced. Um, but they're very yummy, just like dark chocolate with uh, these little things. And you guys said you've never even seen them before, or you, you haven't had them before. No. I've never heard of them. I was like, is this a novelty chocolate? Like, oh. yeah, no, never. Never heard of them, seen them. I love them. They, they make a, a, these are small. They're about the size of chocolate chips, but they make a larger version at uh, Trader Joe's. Oh, we love Trader Joe's. And I often get one of those in my stocking for Christmas. So wow, pretty good. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're enjoying them. I am. I am. I'll put them away. I just thought I'd have a little visual effect for the, the viewers on YouTube. Watch me eat them. Snowcap. Hmm. And we were discussing something that is international, which is Wordle. Wordle. Yep. We're Wordlers, except oh. for Chris. Yeah. Chris is not a Wordler. Wordle, for those who are not familiar with it, a very simple word game. Uh, it's, it's not an app yet, I don't believe. No. Oh. You have to just, you just Google Wordle, W-O-R-D-L-E. It'll take you to a website <clears throat> recently acquired by the New York Times. It's just a simple f- word game where you're trying to figure out a five-letter word. You take guesses. You have six guesses. It'll tell you if the letter is not at all in the word, if the letter's in the word, but you have it misplaced, 
or if it's you have the letter that's actually the right letter in the right place and you have to kind of go from there and use your logic and your knowledge of language to figure out what the word is yeah so it sounds uh we were talking about it at my book club with my like friend book club um and one of the gals there is from france and so i guess they when she was growing up they had a tv show that was very much like that so it was kind of like wheel of fortune wordle mixed together there would be a phrase and there'd be two contestants and you would mm -hmm. guess a word and then uh if it was i don't know how that worked maybe they had to guess the the letter or the word well, anyways there was the same color system going on and the first person to solve it would win. But she remembers for, for me when growing up, when I was at home sick, I would watch Wheel of Fortune, or sorry, not Wheel of Fortune, uh, The Price is Right. And so it sounds like that was kind of her version of that. She remembers it from being a small child. It's yeah. cool. And it, it, Wordle is in different languages. So she plays, she'll oh play in English and French. My, my. Yeah. There was, I actually thought, because there was a game, um, here called boggle that you may i don't know if you have that there but boggle i thought that wordle was was derived from boggle because boggle is similar to that and that you have to like i have a pattern of different colored pegs and people have so many guesses to figure out what the pegs are in a certain order and it's the same sort of a process but it turns out that the person who created the game his last name is wordle and he just <laughs> He made the game Wordle from Wordle, his last name. You can think it's a word game. And uh, and here we go. And he made that game and sold it at a perfect timing to the New York Times, who bought it for apparently low seven figures. Yeah. And uh, and he's happy, I would imagine. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, he made it for his wife, who likes word games so kind of a cool story yeah now, you want to change it or there's something about it but yeah there you go we'll see so how what, long this lasts so what's your starter word yeah so starter words i think are important before i started playing i was reading some posts or things or i heard about it on the radio and they were talking about the importance of your starter word and you want to make sure that you're using it's a, like a five letter word that doesn't repeat a letter. So it gives you the best chance of, you know, figuring it out. So I flip between heart and coins. Those seem to be my two. So if I get all grays, then I'll do the other one and see what happens. And then I rule out the majority of frequently used letters. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Joe, what do you use? Uh, Popular ones for me are either risky or tears. Mm. This is a really good one. Mm -hmm. And they go well together too. Risky tears. Yeah. So they wouldn't be a first and second guess. I either just do one or the other. And then I just do something probably different that uses whatever word letters I need to figure it out. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Um, the word I've been using is adieu. Hey, my mom uses that one. Nice. Which I like because of all the vowels. Let's get yeah. all those vowels out there. Um, but uh, recently, a, a friend turned me on to the idea of using laser and then point uh, as a second word. If you don't get a whole lot in that first word, you get laser and point, you're bound to get a bunch of good, uh, good stuff to work with. So, What's your average? 
right now. So when you finish it, I'll tell you kind of your average tries, like what one, yeah. I'm, I'm usually at a four, probably a four, four point two or something. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my most solved in four as mm -hmm. well. Three is close. Yep. Same. Three is maybe two or three behind four. So. Oh yeah. Have you, have you done, a, done it enough times yet where you didn't get one? Uh, once, but it's cause I did a bozo move. I uh, kept the same letter in the same place three times, even though it was yellow. Oh my uh, gosh, who does that? Like, it's just like a wasted trot. What a bozo. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Oh, yeah. I got, I went to six the very first time I ever played and I haven't reached six again. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like getting to the point of not getting it is I've only had one failed attempt. And then one six try other than that. So uh, I, yeah, I totally failed one of them. I, it was, it was a tough word. At least I thought it was a tough word. Then I saw what the answer was. I was like, oh, I should have got that. Yeah. So Chris, anyway. come on over. Yeah. I may have to uh, join. Seems, yes. uh, seems like fun. Yes. Do it. It, it. it is fun. We have a good time with it. It's become part of my morning routine. So I get up and I take the dogs out to go to the bathroom and give them breakfast and stuff, make myself a tea. And then I do my wordle. Like it's, it's the first thing I do. Um, oh, we're going to have to re-record episode one, the self-care episode and then add wordle to the whole will. thing, right? Yeah. And then there was your gratitude one. journal to your wordles, to your yeah. deep breathing. There was the little thing going around the internet of like, trying to explain this to your 2019 self and then it, was, it said wordle wordle is the sourdough starter of omicron <laughs> uh, yeah who knows how you explain that that's good yeah. um by the way before we get started i know we're throwing a lot of banter out there today but i just i just looked it up and the diamond anniversary no 75th anniversary is the diamond anniversary and we're at the 75th episode here today oh look at that oh 75 episodes so you get us diamonds i'm giving you all diamonds oh my no, gosh no diamonds no you'll have no to diamonds. put a little plug of that song shine bright like a diamond you can make diamond shapes with their hands let's make diamond shapes yes <laughs> That's us. A lot harder than I thought. I think it was I would easy. handle or uh, settle for a snow cap right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. These will be your copies are standing for the diamonds that I'm forgetting you. Yes, but congratulations, seventy-five episodes. That's pretty good. It's awesome. Still well got a few more topics to cover, but seventy-five is pretty good. So, so Ryan, have you participated in all seventy-five? Yeah. Yeah, because I think uh, we've all, the rest of us have missed some. Yeah. I, so yeah, I, guess, I, I record it, so I, I've got yeah, to be here. You kind of had to. <laughs> yeah. I guess happy 75th episode to you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Good thank job. you very much. Everyone's been here in spirit. Well, okay. Enough with our banter. Boy, we had a lot of catching up to do. I know. Uh, we get to go to our ambush. 
One of us knows the topic. The other three do not. So tonight we get to have special Joe topic, right? Oh, yep. A, a special Joe topic. Here we go. Here it comes. Send it down through the protests across the border. Believe the- it or not, this has not been done. Which okay. Surprise to me. Okay. Get ready, Chris. Here we go. Neuroplasticity. What is it? Why is it worth knowing more about? What can people do to boost or enhance neuroplasticity? Hmm. Neuroplasticity. All right. This is this is good. We promise that we will make this, uh, despite the term, which sounds like a very highfalutin term, we're going to make this very accessible, right? Totally. Yeah. As we, as we usually do. Yeah. It's definitely a topic that has come up a lot in our podcasts. Um, but I think it's just one that uh, deserves its own. I think it's good to just kind of review it a little bit and give some ideas to people of how they can um, yeah, boost their, the neuroplasticity in their brains and yeah, just keep it simple. all for it sounds good as as per usual we have to define our terms and that's uh that's the challenge here for this term neuroplasticity who wants to give it a crack christopher i feel like this is like meant for you this topic um okay um so definition um, when I think of neuroplasticity, I think of the brain's ability to change, to modify, to adapt. Mm-hmm. So um, in regard to the structure and function. Okay. Yeah, the brain's ability to grow new neurons and develop new patterns, right? Yeah, as a result of our interactions with our environment or, yeah, new experiences. Yeah. You know, whenever I hear that, hear plasticity used in that way, of course, I think of plastic mm-hmm. and I, I think, you know, I don't think it should be plastic. It should be rubber because I think of rubber being more bendy and flexible and stretchy, like, m- stretchy and moldable. Plastic mm-hmm. can be kind of hard and tough, almost, you know, some plastic can be almost as, as tough as stone or metal but hey i didn't make the term neuroplasticity means that we can mold and shape and bend and alter uh the way that our brain works and even the brain that our way the the way that our brain is like actually the the structure of the brain Mm -hmm. minute uh, levels right and when we're talking about the structure of the brain just to make it very clear your brain is actually just like a collection of cells like there's, it's not like a, that there's a bone or something in it, like, or um, yeah, it, it's a collection of these nerves or cells and, and the cells talk to each other. And then that's how communication in your brain happens. And that's how signals get sent out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So actually I think it's, it's also important as we're talking about this to even maybe back up a bit because the idea of neuroplasticity, the reason why scientists 
therapists, psychologists find this even interesting at all is the, the idea is actually that neuroplasticity hasn't always been the, the, the core belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, for a lot of history until the last 30, 40 years, people sort of thought that the born you were born, the brain you were born with, I'm messing up my words, but the brain you were born with is kind of what you got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of set in stone by the time you come out of the womb and like, okay, there's your brain. You can learn things, but you know, everything else is kind of stuck where it is. Like your, like your, your talents are going to have kind of a cap and your intelligence in certain areas is going to have a cap and your capacity for emotion or intimacy or whatever. These are all going to have sort of a, a cap. Mm-hmm. That and, predetermined in some way. Yeah, you know, there's also uh, along those lines, like the you can't teach an old dog new tricks, Mm -hmm. which is actually false when we're talking about neuroplasticity. It's Mm -hmm. your brain is able to create new patterns at any age. Yeah, I'm sure it really is a uh, kind of a profound message of hope, isn't it? That even though certain patterns may exist within your brain and body. Now that can be modified and changed. So I even think of those who have like uh, recovering from um, strokes, for instance, or or brain injuries. Um, They have the ability to kind of reestablish or or change some of those pathways within their brain. So psychologically is very beneficial, but also physically is very beneficial as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in, uh, In teaching psych 101 courses back a long time ago uh you guys may have taken these or heard about this study in in one of those courses but sometimes people will will develop a a a condition whether it's epilepsy or maybe they'll have a a tumor in their brain and they'll have what they actually call a hemispherectomy will actually take out an entire half of the brain wow and uh usually when they're they're younger um you know, 10, 11, 12, something like this. And people have been amazed since they've been doing hemispherectomies, they've been amazed at how much a person is able, how much function a person is able to regain, even with having, with missing half of their brain, because the other part of the brain adapts all of the, the functions that were lost. So language or movement, motor coordination, things that, uh, sight, things that people can, can gain, even though so much of the brain is missing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just, you know, that's pure neuroplasticity. Like the brain can adapt and change and grow and develop despite, uh, despite trauma, despite injury, despite, uh, many other limitations. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. It is totally. Do you think neuroplasticity is the same in children and adults? Yes and no. Go, Brooke. Um, Like, I think that the brain is able to grow and change and pathways can develop at any age. I think because the brain is still rapidly growing, you know, in spurts, but still very much growing until, you know, between 24 and 27, when all the things are there, because it's already in a natural state of growth, I think the growth is uh, like accelerated, maybe. 
And regardless of which direction that is, if somebody's learning a bad habit or a good habit. Um, and then I, I, yeah, I think that it's, it's like springtime, things grow faster. Yeah, I think so too. I think just given the time and I think as, as your brain's kind of fully um, developed, I think it it's, yeah, it's definitely possible, uh, but it's, I think it would take a lot more consistency and, and effort to kind of make those changes. So um, not as, yeah, more, uh, more effort than you would as a child, I would think. So I'm thinking of an analogy here, you, you know, the, uh, the Chris, I think you've mentioned a few times before the, the analogy that people have of like a, a neural pathway that gets kind of worn down over time as, as like a, like a trail that you're hiking or a road that you're kind of forging through the woods or something. Is that like yeah, a, we often see like uh, like tobogganing for some down the hill in fresh snow. You don't go very quickly. So That's for like tobogganing, for those who don't know, is like going down a hill. Sledding. Like it's a sled. sledding. We would say sledding. Yeah. Sledding. Yeah. Okay. Sledding. For some <laughs> down the hill in fresh snow, you don't go very quickly. But the more times you travel down that same path, it becomes more compact, right? So after the fifth, sixth, twentieth, or fiftieth time, you're gonna fly down that mountain. It's gonna be like an ice chute, right? So it's kind of how the brain works as well. Um, I would say that in younger brains, the snow is softer and in older brains, the snow is a little more icy, icy. <laughs> a little, 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 a little bit harder to, to cut through. Well, I think, or like yeah, think. really wet and heavy with rain. It's hard to get through. Whereas a child is like powder. So it's like, whew. there we go. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Kind of- I think also like, um, <laughs> Yeah, and technically, this is also the process of myelination. Like, the more you practice certain habits or patterns, the more myelinated those pathways get. So it's like a sheath that is formed around these neural pathways. So it becomes more efficient, right? It becomes your go-to way of, of, mm-hmm. of thinking or behaving. So I think your ability to develop new pathways in the snow is more what neuroplasticity would be, wouldn't it? And this yeah. as you veer over to the old ways of thinking and 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 behaving and whatnot but over time those new pathways can be just as grained as the ingrained as the old ones right mm-hmm. yeah which also goes with the uh, the same use it or lose it right so if you have pathways uh for example in high school i took mandarin and that was my second language and because i was using the language regularly at that time I was able to retain and speak a little bit, not a lot by any means, but if you were to ask me now, I could probably say four words. Mm. I haven't used those pathways. So they've probably deteriorated and I've used more English and grown more vocabulary there. So my English pathways are stronger. Sure. You took French, mandatory French as a kid too, right? Yeah, until grade eight was my Mm -hmm. last year. And then nine through 12 was... Mandarin. But yeah, French is even less. Like I, yeah, mm. right. I we learned it all. Like for Chris and I, it was like all through elementary school, and then up until maybe grade ten, we had to. And it like it's amazing how little of it is stuck. So, mm. yeah. But this also goes for um, like negative behaviors. So if you. I don't know, maybe you're a nail biter or something like that. And then 
you learn other strategies and then over time you don't do that anymore and your body just doesn't go there. It was mm -hmm. really interesting, right? So those, you can use this to get rid of negative behaviors or just to create new behaviors that you've never really done. It's really neat. Mm. Yeah, I think there's also like some key developmental times where the brain kind of explodes with neural connections, right? I think around the age of two, another time around, I think two, four, and then 12 is the other big one that we focus on a lot. Mm. It was a yeah, huge increase in neurons and often lack of pathways are free and overwhelmed. Um, and then of course, the part of the brain that's supposed to help you with logic, rationality, and intuition and whatnot is going through some changes as well. Yeah, but, well, there's also like pruning that takes place. Like yeah. there's a lot of like cells and things that are there and then uh, like at birth and then those get pruned back. So the cells that aren't used kind of die off a little bit and then the ones that are being used thrive and grow more. I got a funny story about that. Um, <clears throat> my oldest son uh, in his bedroom when we were, when he was a kid, we had a poster that had all of the presidents on it. For some reason he kind of liked, was interested in the presidents. So we got him a poster that had all of the US presidents on it. And he didn't, he couldn't read. He was three, four years old. He couldn't read, but he wanted to know who the presidents were. And so every night we'd go through the presidents. We started at the beginning, George Washington, and just go all through the presidents, and like do like four or five at a time. And he would be able to like remember all of those. And I actually have a video of him going through all of the presidents all the way through at the time, Barack Obama, without being able to read, he just memorized the whole thing, which, is, oh. which was amazing. Um, just by looking at them, he kind of knew their names. Uh, but today at 13, he's got no clue. <laughs> like like we, we plowed that path for a while and it was really cool. And we got the video, I guess. But uh, since we didn't keep plowing that path, it's, it's, it kind of got lost. But just the, the, you know, speaking of kind of the soft snow at that time, like, wow, what a, what a, what a sponge to be able to absorb all of that. I couldn't do that at, at that, at my adult age, but he could remember them all. It was pretty remarkable. Mm. Yeah. So when it comes to this stuff, like why, why do, I mean, other than remembering president's names, <laughs> what is, what is the importance of this as far as psychotherapy, mental health, what does neuroplasticity have to do with, with that for us, do you think? Why does it pertain to our work? Well, I think Chris, I think he briefly said it before, it kind of gives hope. Uh -huh. Like, hey, you can come and you can, your brain is able to adapt and rewire and the, you know, the ways of thinking can be shifted. And, you know, by doing different things, you can, yeah, kind of operate differently. I think hope is a great thing for clients to hear that way and a lot of them when you talk about neuroplasticity they're just like what like that's so cool and it's like yeah like we can it's super important so yeah hope giving hope i also think of this in terms of of trauma because people will talk about how actually trauma can change the brain in some ways you know when people talk about like the you know, this, the PTSD and like a startle response, you know, some, some stimulus comes at us and 
if we've been traumatized, you know, we may respond in a certain way because we're due to neuroplasticity, we kind of were rewiring like our, our, our protective system to kind of keep us safe and, and try to uh, alert us to danger. Um, but the good news for that, the hopeful part of that is that uh, healing also rewires the brain and that neuroplasticity can go back to a place of being more safe and secure and not, not being, um, you know, so affected and impacted by, by stimuli, right? That's a good point. So we often use neuroplasticity in, in a very positive way, but neuroplasticity can also, the brain can rewire itself in negative ways as well, right? Yeah. It can happen very intensely. Um, you can fall into, again, very ingrained patterns and habits, um, defense mechanisms that can kind of work against you. Well, that's what the whole idea of the trigger is, right? For people who are either... Um, uh, have either been traumatized or even people who have uh, addictions and they'll say, Oh, well, when I smell a certain smell, I feel like I need to have a drink or I need to, uh, you know, go to some, some habit or something that's, that's maybe been not so great for them. And, and that's, that's neuroplasticity kind of saying, Oh, this means that, you know, it's a conditioning piece, but we yeah. can, we can recondition that to something healthier. Mm-hmm. So our brains are pretty neat. Pretty cool. Indeed they are. So, so we kind of figured, we kind of talked about why it's worth knowing more about because our brains are this kind of shifting uh, perceptual device, you know, like, are we perceiving things in, in one way or another? And what, what kind of habits are we, are we in that we can maybe change? And what can people do to boost or enhance neuroplasticity? How can we, how can we work our brains in a mentally healthy way? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, well, Brooke, you kind of learning a new language, playing an instrument, like music and learning an instrument uses, uh, can create new neural pathways and connections in the brain. For brains that are already developed and ones that are developing, there is some research out there too that um, doing something novel or new it, like does a little burst of cells. Like it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you travel somewhere new, if you go to a new park in your community that you've never been before, if you drive a new way to work, if you see a new bird that you've never seen before, it, like. And that's part of the reason I think that traveling is so mm-hmm. uh, remarkable for people because they come home and there is that like post-travel blues. But I, I do think that's also because when you're traveling, your brain is just like electrified with all this new stimulation and it's mm-hmm. trying to make sense of it and experience things. And so there's like explosions of neural development when you're experiencing new things. Uh, it, you know, in previous podcasts, we've talked about the importance of being curious, and I think that plays into it greatly, right? It's mm-hmm. yeah. a really good way to put it, Brooke. I haven't really thought of it that way. I, I, I've, I've said things about, like, I need to travel somewhere because I need, like, new images in my eyeballs, you know? <laughs> but that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, I need different stimuli. Yeah. And I really liked how you you 
like, yeah, sure. You can go travel somewhere different, which is fantastic. But if that's not possible, like, like you said, it's a new route to work. Like it, it can be uh go try somewhere new in your neighborhood or go look at something or uh, like, it doesn't need to be these big things. It could be those little shifts. Like you said, that can make a big impact. Absolutely. Fully attainable. Go and sit at the same table at the same coffee shop, go to a different coffee shop. Or if you want to go there, go sit at a different seat. It mm-hmm. could be at the same table on the other side, but your brain is seeing something in a new way um, mm-hmm. and it helps. It might not be explosive like traveling, but it's going to help a little bit. So mm-hmm. he's actually very, very good at that. He does new things, like takes a new route or tries a new thing all the time, all the time. You can try like once upon a time, we'd have to memorize people's phone numbers. <laughs> And that's not really a thing anymore. Like you can challenge yourself and just maybe challenge your memory a little bit and uh, learn different ways of, yeah. Like if you're in the bulk section of a store, don't write down the code, just keep it in your mind. Or I don't know, there's just different little ways you can challenge your brain. Yams are 4816 at Costco <laughs> or at Safeway. I've, I've learned that one. Right. I, I yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Well, 4225. I got these ones down. Yeah, bananas four zero one one. Oh yeah, yeah. So, wow. I knew I I I once made a, a a New Year's resolution to try to learn a new poem every week, and oh. it didn't last very long because I kept choosing poems that were too long. But that I guess that would be one of those quests, right? Totally. Um, Brian, I recall you telling us. I don't know if you shared it on the podcast though. Um, that you guys would pick a new country, like a theme country, and you started with A and started working your way down, and yep. you would listen to the music and make recipes and put the flag yep. up. And yep, yep. Early, early in my marriage, we uh, decided that we would go through a country a month and learn a little bit about that country, starting with I can't remember if it was Albania or somewhere somewhere up in the uh, up in the high A's and just kind of work through the uh, different countries of the world and learn a little bit about the culture and and this is LA so there's a lot of restaurants around here if there was a restaurant around that served that kind of food try to go there or find a recipe and cook something from there and learn a little bit about that uh, that country and that worked they made it all the way through like D or E <laughs> but it was fun while it lasted that's impressive. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Did you have poutine when you got to Canada? Oh, yeah. There used to be a, a Canadian cafe about a mile from here. And they did have poutine and they had pictures of Canada all over the place. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. I, now that I've been to Canada a bunch to visit you guys, I don't think it was actually representative, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it was more stereotypical. Yeah, very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a big component of this too, and kind of reminds me of our podcast a couple of weeks ago is the power of the mind, right? So if you have a belief that you cannot change, that you're stuck, then uh, it's pretty tough to promote neuroplasticity, right? That belief can keep you kind of stuck there a bit. So I think that where that's where the psychoeducation is so important and having a podcast on neuroplasticity, just to get this point across that it is possible to, to make those changes. But I think neuroplasticity is there to help us adapt to our environment. And sometimes uh, we need some, we have to take a step back and, and assess how well we're adapting to 
what's going on in our everyday lives. And um, I think over the course of this podcast too, we talk about lots of things that you can do to help boost your well-being. But a lot of it takes repetition, right? Again, going back down that, making sure that track in the snow is becomes a nice shoot. You know, it's it's interesting because we talk a lot about developing healthy routines and healthy habits, right? And then and now we're talking about neuroplasticity, which is about getting out of ruts, right? Or getting out of like negative routines and habits. Um, people might might listen to this and think, are you are we contradicting ourselves? Like, is there is there is there value to routine? Or should we be breaking out of routine and seeking novelty? Or is there, um, you know, value to novelty and we should avoid routine? Like, what what are we trying to sell here? You know, well, I think uh, one consistent message is the important the importance of balance. I think we need to have a good balanced routine. Um, so I guess we have to assess whether that routine is healthy or not. Like are there elements of that routine are working for you or elements of that routine are working against you? So I think there's room there for growth and, and change. But when I think of uh, ha- forming new habits, I think neuroplasticity is often the science behind that. that. I think that often explains how we have that ability to develop those habits, right? Yeah, totally. Hmm. So balance. So we're looking for like in a, in a, in an ideal day, maybe there might be some, we might have some healthy routines. Maybe those are the, the, the way we start the day. We have a healthy routine of getting up and uh, bathing and <laughs> eating healthy food and putting yeah. in a journal or something like that. And then maybe we s- splash in a little bit of novelty during the day, take a different route to work sometimes or go to a different restaurant for lunch or something like that. Um, just, but, but always kind of evaluating, is this, does this feel healthy for me? Does this feel like it's a, uh, uh, an add to my life or is it something that's detracting from, from my well-being? Yeah, I think so. I think the uh, fostering curiosity and that flexibility helps us with other changes that we need to make in our lives as well. Um, Cause I think there's certain mental states where that promote neuroplasticity. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be no big surprises here, but exercise, for instance, I think can promote uh, neuroplasticity or dancing. uh, What was that? Dancing. Dancing. Um, Yeah. Being out in nature can help promote neuroplasticity or eating properly or sleeping, get enough sleep. Right. I think when the body is socializing, socializing, I think that promotes neuroplasticity. It makes it easier to, 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 um, to, to see those changes happen within the brain. Um, I think what keeps us stuck sometimes is heightened amount of stress, right? I think stress often impedes our ability to develop new pathways and patterns or the opposite of what I just mentioned, lack of sleep and bad diet and lack of exercise and stuff like that. Disengagement and screen. Disengagement. And, yeah. yeah. So you want to make sure the, it kind of reminds me of Dan Siegel's healthy mind platter uh, for healthy brain matter. So he talks about, uh, sleep, nutrition, exercise, connecting with positive people, focus time, downtime, um, connecting time. And those are the main ones. So balance really is key. And, and I guess maintaining the healthy routines that we can, but uh, also mixing it up if we feel like we're getting kind of stuck. 
Yeah, the novelty piece, I think, is new. Mm -hmm. Introducing new things. You can still have a routine, but what what are you putting into that routine? Or Yeah, just if you do the same thing all the time, your brain's not being exposed to new things. Not going to new pathways. Yeah. You do the same thing. You're expecting you're not going to get any changes each day. I think that carries over to a lot of things for mental health. If you're going to live each day the same and approach things the same, what are you expecting to change? So I think it's introduced. It doesn't need to be big things, just little ways of, yeah, novelty, new things. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, when we're talking about changing habits and patterns for our mental health, that can be really scary for people. Change can be scary for people. So we want to do those changes in ways that are comfortable for the client and whether that is, yeah, sitting in a different chair in the coffee shop, you know, just something small and be curious about how that is and what are you noticing and um, just to build the confidence that maybe some change is okay and that you're capable of doing that. So sure. maybe there, there, I guess part of this, again, that, that is why it's so important to us as therapists is I've certainly had a lot of clients who will come in and say, gosh, I do this, this thing, whatever it might be. I have my, my nightly drink or I, uh, you know, some, some, something they feel like they're kind of stuck in a rut that they're stuck in. And they'll say, I just don't, I, I don't think I can change it. I don't, you know, I, I'm just kind of, I'm stuck in a rut and I don't think I can get out of this. Maybe it's negative thinking. Maybe it's uh, like a behavioral thing. And, and this, this idea of neuroplasticity is, is what, what therapists kind of hold on to. Like, okay, actually we can give you hope. Like these things can change and it can be tough for people to, to believe that until they actually start to, to make those changes. So, I mean, when, when someone comes to you and they're saying, you know, I really want to change the way that I relate to my partner or change the way that I uh, take care of myself or my body, but I have a hard time kind of getting, getting going or getting, you know, making those first steps. Is there anything that, that you try to talk to them about that, that helps, helps facilitate that? Like how, how do you actually help people make those initial changes? Cause those seem to be the hardest, hardest steps, especially when they don't believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the first step has to be trying to find some clarity, maybe reflecting on what are your passions or what are your regrets or what are the biggest challenges you're facing or just trying to understand how you want to focus that energy and effort, right? And then maybe establishing some meaningful goals and and some steps to achieve those goals, I think would be the first two. Or even we talk a lot about mindfulness and I think mindfulness um, does have an impact in terms of your brain structure and can create a bit of a help you build a greater awareness of what these patterns exist of, uh, but also helps maintain that level of calm too. So that often promotes some healthy neuroplasticity. Yeah. Mindfulness in this context being like just observing behaviors, observing your, your state, how are you feeling at that moment? Not judging it, not trying to, uh, radically change it and definitely not like beating yourself up for feeling that way, but just observing it and saying, okay, this is where I am right now. Being, maintaining a sense of calm and then 
And I, I think also the, the the other point to this is being like small changes are fine. You know, any any small incremental change is still a change. And uh, people oftentimes, especially in therapy, coming in, they're like, "I want to change my relationship with drinking completely, and I want it to happen today." Well, that might actually have to we have to make some smaller steps maybe to get there. Or, um, you know, you're not going to change your negative thoughts today they might have to be something we have to take take smaller steps to get there but still those changes can happen that might not, not happen as quickly as you'd like mm-hmm. yeah reminds me of uh, what about bob you have to take those baby steps you know sure mm-hmm. one of chris's favorite movies That's back in movie. the day. yeah but very true though so breaking it down to smaller micro steps is so important isn't it it kind of reminds me of that uh, the book from or research by Carol Dweck, was it? The Growth Mindset versus a Fixed Mindset. I think you read that book too, Ryan, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mindset is is huge. That, that Kind of alluding to that earlier here where people kind of feel like, well, I'm born in this, this one thing. I have this much ability. Um, and, and I guess that's just what I'm stuck with. You know, if you, if you take one shot, at the hoop with the basketball and you miss it and say, well, I guess I'm no good at basketball. Uh, that might not be the best way to appraise that. You know, this is something that takes time. It takes, takes growth. It takes process, takes uh, patience and effort and practice. And once, once you kind of adopt that growth mindset that like, Oh, I can do a lot of things if I just keep working at it. Uh, that certainly applies with, with neuroplasticity and being able to kind of grow and develop. Uh, once we, if we, if we start off thinking that we only have a certain amount of talent or skill at something and never work at it, then we're really limiting ourselves. Yeah. Well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but it's kind of fortuitous, but like about two weeks ago, I started taking guitar lessons. Oh, nice. And wow. I've, I've been playing guitar for 30 years, um, but I decided it was about time for me to, to learn some new stuff. I need, I've, I've been caught stuck in a rut and uh, I need to learn, learn some new things. So I found someone who's, who's really good and we've been doing it online. Um, so it's over Zoom, uh, but it's been really, really challenging and really rewarding, even though it's only been a couple of sessions. But I got to tell you, this this neuroplasticity thing has really hit me because, like, I know how to do certain things. I know how to to play a certain scale, and he's like, "All right, well, let's try a different type of scale on the guitar." And I'm like, "Oh, my finger can't move there. It's like so, so challenging, and it really takes this this like monumental effort to get me to." figure out how to do things really slowly. And he's very good. Just saying, be very, you know, be patient, take it really slow, one little step at a time and practice over and over and over and, and it'll start to come to you. And it, it is, um, or at least I trust it will. Uh, no, I, I have already seen little, little improvements, but, but boy, it's, it's grueling. Here I am in middle age trying to learn something new on this, I've been playing the guitar the same way for so long. And he's like, no, 
try it this way. And uh, so all that to say, it's, it is a challenge, but uh, I think it can be done. Cool. Well Good done. Job. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's fun. It takes me right back to like school doing my homework. Oh, I've got to do my homework. <laughs> got to put in my reps here. But uh, I'm, I'm feeling the payoff. And it's, and it's, I think it, like you're talking about these little explosions of, of, of neurons and like, you know, it may open up other things for me too. Who knows? You know, just seeing, seeing the guitar in a different way may help me see a lot of things in a different way. Yeah. I feel like when you're, genuinely intentionally learning something new and it's hard but you know you're really putting the effort in there to learn it's a very unique sensation in your brain like it's kind of like a headache but not uh, I don't know if you get that sensation too Ryan so going through school I would come out and say my brain is full like it would just it's just like this sense of like I cannot learn anything else right now I feel that after like a full workshop day. Yeah. Going to a workshop, you're just like, oh, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't <laughs> learn anything else. Yeah. 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 They, they talk about uh, uh, back to the, the work with uh, 10,000 hours and the, uh, the, the focused practice or dedicated practice. Mm -hmm. Um where it is that, and they even, even did, did studies where they looked at, at like school kids learning the piano and, and learning different tasks. And, and there's a certain sort of look even that comes over their face with this, this furrowed brow and this really kind of concentrated look of like, mm, I'm, I'm really trying to cram this in. And, and it's, it is work. It truly is work. And, and you probably see if, if there are fMRIs on that, like how, how the brain is really trying to carve through and make these new pathways yeah. uh, but it's it's it takes energy it's exhausting i'm not actually doing that much with my body when i'm moving my fingers around on a guitar but it really feels like work mm -hmm. but yeah and before you know it you're playing like Jimi hendrix it's gonna be so natural mm, wouldn't that be nice I won't say never because that would go against the growth mindset, but <laughs> I might not play just like Jimi Hendrix, but that's okay. It's as best as I can do. A lot of intentional repetition and learning. Mm -hmm. 10,000 yeah. hours. For 10,000 hours, right. I've got like three or four in so far, only <laughs> 9,900 more. Who knows? Mm. Yes. Well, good. Do we have any more to cover on neuroplasticity? We got this. I think we did it. Well done. All right. All right. Good topic. And, and one that applies to so much of what we talk about. This is uh, mm -hmm. a good foundational piece for us to have. Well, all right. Are you guys uh, off to learning anything new in intentional practice? I've got guitar to learn. We actually, There's a yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kind of do some trauma training this weekend. Oh, good. Yeah, I bought like a, a video webinar series through some the 
Nickenbaum, not Mike and Baum, but the N-A-C-I-B, mm-hmm. I don't remember the acronym. But you know, it's all the big guys and they have a webinar. So I bought that a while ago and I downloaded the videos. So I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm going to learn some more trauma things. All right. That will benefit the podcast sometime in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a member of the Rotary Club of Coquitlam and I'm the president-elect. So this weekend I have training, a couple of days of training. Uh, it's all on Zoom. I'm supposed to go down to Seattle to do it, but um, that got canceled, the in-person training. And then uh, starting, I believe, next week is my uh, training on, what's it called? Um, the neuroplastic therapy. That's it, yeah. <laughs> you should probably know that. I just <laughs> learned about it. Yeah, so I'm going to do the pain reprocessing uh, training with uh, Daniela, who presented to us uh, on our podcast two weeks ago. So great. Oh, so much learning. That's good. I'm going to read as well as maybe do some artsy things. So that's how I'm going to kind of, well, I have to. I have to talk to Brooke about that, but your face is very excited, Brooke. So we'll talk. Chris, Brooke, and I are hanging out this weekend, so that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah, uh, up at the cabin, and typically when we go or when I go up there, I try to bake something new. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get around to something this weekend, but last time we were there, I made bakasha bread for the first time, and I made croissants for the first time like properly. So croissants take like two days to make. What? Yeah. I get the Pillsbury croissants and they take like eight minutes. Yeah. From scratch, it takes a little <laughs> bit longer, but okay. so art would be fun though, Joe. I think I'm excited. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, let's hear it for the neuroplastic brains here and uh, let's go and grow the weekend (laughs) all right well that's great uh we'll sign off here then like and subscribe on apple google podbean audible spotify stitcher or youtube send your questions to info at mentalfoodcamp.com visit us on facebook or instagram tell a friend or two good night growing brains everywhere night